Well, hello and welcome to our special bonus episode of Dream Slayer Studios RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Tyner, and today we have a very special interview with the creator of the great American novel role-playing game, a man who shares the best first name in all of creation with me, Christopher Gray himself. <laughs> hello. hello, and hello to all of you Christophers out there. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time out to talk with me today. Now, do you go by Christopher or Chris like I do? I, I, I guess Christopher is more formal. I, I go by Chris, but I also answer to Christopher. Usually Christopher is when it's like, you know, I don't know, when I'm signing my name. Yeah, same here, actually. So, you know, we, we may be calling each other Chris and Christopher, and that's probably okay. We'll just confuse the audience. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Well, before we get into the interview proper, uh, as you know, I and my friends started this live play podcast utilizing your great American novel as our first platform to jump into playing together again for the first time in about 25 years or so. And when I was looking for a game to get us started, I was searching for something that would allow us the opportunity to really tell a story, something that we could really sink our teeth into. And I'd heard about your game through Happy Jack's RPG podcast and sought out a live play that you had hosted with another group online. And if I remember right, I think it was the Los Palamos deal game that I, that oh, I watched. Yeah. yeah. And that right. was what really got me hooked. Um, so I ended up going to drivethroughrpg.com and downloaded your book and immediately fell in love with your approach to world building and collaborative storytelling. And the rules are just so super friendly and made it really easy for several of my players who hadn't role-played in over two decades just to sink into. Now, I, I know I mentioned this to you in our correspondence, but I'll say it again for everybody to hear. This game is by far the most entertaining and innovative game that I have played in years. Uh, the ability to create a communal story is what I really thrive for as a GM and the mechanics of this game are just perfect for a group of individuals that want to create a story together so thank you so much for creating this thing I mean you really did bring together you know a, a group of old friends you know that hadn't really sat in the same room together and even though we're not sitting in the same room together we are gaming from afar and it really rekindled some some really uh, valuable friendships for me and for the people in the game. Uh, that really means a lot. I, I can't believe uh, uh, that it, this game could have such a strong impact on people. I, um, you know, setting it out, it was the, the goal really was to create a uh, a framework that could be adapted to almost any story, but that focuses on the story and the characters, not on you know the plot or the mechanics. So I'm I'm really glad that you're able to to bring your group together and that you're you're playing again with them. I mean, there's nothing better in the world, is there? Yeah, definitely not. And and the thing for me, I think, that really attracted me to this game was I'm a thespian by nature. I, I direct uh, shows here in town uh, and have been involved in theater for, you know, 35 years. And what really got me into role-playing in the first place was just my attraction to, you know, acting. And I very quickly kind of fell into the role of a, of a game master and so forth and telling stories. And, and that really, to me, is what 
role playing is really all about is telling that communal story. And and the great American novel is really one of the perfect uh, ways to really get started with that. If you're really wanting to do a, a role playing game that is truly story based and working with other players to create that story, there's no game I think better that really gives the players the power to really take control of, of the narrative. Yeah, and the trappings of the game really are about the the great American novel literary genre. Um, but the mechanics are actually designed to be used in any story that is focused on characters and on um, their interactions or motivations. I mean, this works for uh, a Marvel game. <laughs> this works for I've run The Shining with it. I've run every possible genre you can think of and um and, and it works across the board so but i think where it works best is on these sort of really intimate stories that that maybe aren't so big um where the big climax might be a, a land deal you know or something along those lines yes yeah, so, and um getting into the head of the characters is the best part so where did you get the idea of putting this particular game together but the idea came out of a need for some sort of framework that was focused on characters and that was sort of genre agnostic. Um, and I couldn't really find anything like that. And powered by the apocalypse universe, there are tons of great games that are character focused, but they're always really embedded into a setting or a particular experience. And um, I couldn't really find, you know, the the savage worlds of character games. <laughs> and so that's what prompted it. And the reason it landed on the Great American Novel was because that's a really good place to start. Um, because uh, Great American Novels as a literary genre cares uh, very little about plot or action. You, you know, you, when you read some of the, the greats, uh, really nothing happens in those books, <laughs> except mm -hmm. that, you know, characters go through things and they change. But um uh, in fact, my, my wife's an a English professor and, and a, a literature teacher, and she, um, you know, she's, you know, talks about Gatsby and always comes to mind or, um, or uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm losing some of my other titles that she's worked on. But anyway, she, uh, when you actually read these books, it's, um, it, it, you know, there, there is some action, but it's really about what is getting in the way of the characters and, and what they want and their motivation. So I wanted a game that did that. Yeah, now most of the live plays that I watched that you were kind of in charge of, for the most part, it seemed like they were kind of one-and-done adventures for the characters. Was that kind of how you had envisioned putting the game together, or were you looking at that it could be run as a multi-story arc? It, it doesn't really work in my opinion in terms of us as like a serial like a you know sort of like a monster of the week kind of thing um it can work as a campaign or in a continuous story but not a long one uh, i think ultimately these are flashes in the pan stories that begin that begin and end and as part of this design goal that the story must end because yes. you know we have these indefinite D, &D campaigns that last 20 years this is not that <laughs> this has an arc and a conclusion. So, um, yeah, the design of 10 was to be it was for, to be a shorter experience. Um, it, and I have done three and four session campaigns, but nothing as long as you have actually on, on this particular system. Yeah. So we lasted about six uh, episodes. But I think probably one of the reasons for that is because my players are spread out so far across the United States and into Mexico that we're all playing in different time zones 
So we had to try to find a, a time where, you know, we could spend, you know, a couple hours, you know, together. So generally when I run games, I usually run them for about a four hour stretch at a time. But with this group, it's not possible really to do that. Or some of us would be up until two o'clock in the morning. Uh, and we're doing it on a weeknight. So all of us have jobs. <laughs> yeah. So all in all, it was really about probably 12 hours worth of, of playtime uh, when it all came down to it, which, yeah, I think was maybe a little bit more than what I had seen with any of your live plays. But it really, really didn't feel like it at all. You know, by the time we, it was all said and done, you know, it was like, wow, did we did we just finish that? <laughs> and even the night of, you know, uh, one of my players said, is, it, is this our last game? I was like, yeah, I think it actually might be. We're really coming to the climax now. But that's what I really loved about it is it had that beginning, the middle, the end. And so often, you know, when I'm playing, you know, like Marvel has been kind of my go-to game for years, uh, the Marvel role-playing game that was created mm-hmm. by TSR. Uh, and I've done, you know, Vampire the Masquerade and, you know, several other games over the years. But I've never really had a finite end. They all just kind of fizzle out after a couple of years, you know. So there was never really that feeling of, okay, we've accomplished it, and now we're done. Players come and go, and then, you know, the gaming group that you're a part of just kind of fizzles out, and then you just never get to tell the end of the story. And the end of our story was just so, you know, cinematic, and uh, and then going in and being able to resolve those characters where, the player gets to tell, you know, what happens to them afterwards, whether they, you know, reach a heroic ending or a tragic end. You know, that that was really kind of the nice cap on it that you don't see, I think, in most other role-playing games. Yeah, the idea there is that um, this game wants you to fail and wants you to have problems with the characters. And we're so conditioned as gamers typically to succeed and, you know, you look at one of the biggest criticisms I've seen of PBTA, and this is built on the PBTA framework, which is powered by the apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, although it's very different. I wouldn't really call it a PBTA game. Yeah, and I um, noticed, I don't mean to interrupt, but I noticed that the Great American Novel isn't on their site as, you know, kind of where you can go to, you know, find PBTA games. Was that intentional for you? No, I, I don't know if it was intentional. I, I probably uh, could ask them to put it on there, but it, it's just too deviant if i were expecting masks and i went and grabbed this game i'd be disappointed <laughs> yeah it really doesn't do what those games do <laughs> or monster hearts or any of them mm-hmm. so um I, I do think it's its own category in fact i think it has more in common with fate if you played that than with vbta uh but the uh one of the points of the uh of the design was that you you want to have problems for your characters because because there is no real plot necessarily i mean there is always a plot but because it's not plot focused then it needs to be character focused and for it to be character focused characters have to have problems and so the game doesn't have any judgment about whether or not you're failing roles if you're failing roles that just means your character's going down a different path you're playing out your failures just like you are successes and just because you're succeeding doesn't mean things are going well for the story and so that that sort of uh softening well i guess even diverting the idea that failure is bad uh, in a game and, and propping failure up on the same level as success allows you to resolve the character in whatever way you want. So then you don't have to worry so much that bad things are happening to them. In fact, you want to encourage those bad things because it makes your character more complex. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in writing for the RPG world? 
Well, let's see. I um, I've been a gamer as long as I can remember, and that's not just a flippant statement. I do not remember when I started. I, I have a really <laughs> fuzzy memory that it was second edition eight, uh, D and D, A D and D, and um, and I don't really remember the circumstances around it. I feel like I've always been playing, and um, I've always been running too. Through the '90s, I was more interested in things like rifts or. I don't know, this this homebrew system that I created. So I was writing games as early as 15 or 16 years old. Uh, the games that I was writing, was writing at the time were really terrible and based <laughs> on bad math and, and really, really bad ideas. But we used those bad ideas all the way through college. So, it, you know, there was some substance there. And and then I, I you know I kind of like a lot of people a lot of peers of mine especially during this time which would have been late or I guess early aughts lost touch with my game group so didn't really do tabletop much anymore and I, I went into the MMO world for a long time but I sort of rediscovered tabletop on the launch of fifth edition D and D uh, specifically for my kid and um, wanted to get him into gaming because I was sick of screens. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I just opened up the trough and realized all that I had missed in that <laughs> you know eight to ten year period, and um, and just dove in. So I think really it was about um, if I had to put a number on it, probably about 2010. I started writing seriously and professionally, and putting out modules and things like that. And I started doing my own gaming. My first one was Happiest Apocalypse, which is now Happiest Apocalypse on Earth, which is I'm losing track of the years. I think that was four years ago. Um, and then I've been on kind of a steady cadence since then. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I've, I've dabbled in, you know, writing, uh, as well. And I think I mentioned that I have been playing the original TSR Marvel game for, you know, since it came out essentially. Uh, and then there's a community that I'm a part of on Facebook called the unofficial Canon project. And we've been writing modules, you know, to kind of keep that game alive. And I'm up to, I think, about seven or eight modules now for that. And, you know, I enjoy writing and so forth. And, you know, I think really, truthfully, I think your game has now really inspired me to, you know, continue to kind of pursue that. We just finished a a live serial podcast uh, just recently with my high school theater kids. And the whole reason why I'm here in this studio today is really because of that. And it's really opened up, I think, a lot of possibilities for me, you know, to be able to pursue my art in a completely different uh, direction. So I'm I'm excited to get that going. Now, yeah, I'm a no- I'm a novelist too, and um, mm-hmm. and I've even back in my early 20s wrote a lot of screenplays and plays and things like that. And I, I gotta say, I I, I writing games is way more rewarding to me than any other type of writing and i enjoy other types of writing but there's something about assembling the architecture that allows other people to create stories that's just so rewarding and i um i I love being able to give um, a platform for collaborative storytelling and i think the stories that come out of collaborative storytelling are much stronger than anything you see in cinema or on stage or in a novel. And, um, and so that I just really love writing in this format, even though there's no money to be made in it. I just love doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully, you know, if we can get the word out a little bit more for you, you know, this is a pretty meager uh, beginning to a podcast on, on my end here, but anything I can do to help, I want to try to do that for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Now, once we had finished our campaign in the Great American Novel, I ended up downloading your newest release, The Great American Witch. 
And I have to say, while I was running Devil's Canyon, I was listening to your live play of American Witch on Happy Jacks. And I have never, ever been more riveted by a live play than the one that you ran with that group. It was so fascinating to watch the events unfold and the interaction between the characters. What was your favorite part about that particular campaign? Oh, man. Um, and it's spoiler. So uh, I guess <laughs> answer your question. Watch the stream. Uh, and when you get to episode eight, this is the one. Oh, my God. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, I think that it, it, there's a real lot of reasons I love this moment in that campaign. That campaign was so great. The, the cast is, was absolutely amazing. I did very little work as a guide in that game. Um uh, but that moment in that campaign was around this uh, Great American Witches about a coven. And you um, are a coven of witches in modern society that are trying to protect yourselves and your community against the supernatural and things like that. And this um, coven had uh, a lot of things happen up to this point. But the uh, one of the characters, one of the witches reached a breaking point and just started going um really uh hardcore rambo on some mundane mortals and you know you could argue that they deserved it but the ferocity of the attack uh basically uncoupled this character from who they were as it is built on the great american novel framework so we're more concerned about what's going on in the character's head than on what they're doing and and it really you could see this uncoupling and this was this character uh, was played by um by Jim and he, he just did this miraculous transformation of, you know, this is a character that's breaking that can't handle what's happening anymore and um, has just resorted to the one thing that they know. And, and then, you know, as a consequence of his action had to be removed from the coven, the coven couldn't tolerate what he did. And um, the, the reason I like that moment so much is because nobody saw it coming. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but, but when it happened, you totally got why it did. Yeah. Uh, and there, there, I think there was a screen grab of, of like my react, my shocked reaction at the moment that happened. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but we were, we were completely shocked. Uh, but the thing that I loved about it, it was that it really demonstrated the resiliency of the system because there were, there was wor- r- rules to allow this to happen that you get to choose, uh, your character's fate and you can remove them from the game and you choose how you do that. And, and so you know, he, uh, Jim, as a player, decided that its character was not playable anymore. And so then uh, joined me in running the rest of the game. Yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, when I was listening to that particular episode, it was pretty late at night. I was in bed with my earbuds in and was listening to it. And then that moment happened. And my eyes opened up and I was like, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) And like I had, I was a couple of episodes or an episode or two behind, I think at that point. And once it was done and the episode was finished, I mean, it was like 1230 in the morning or so. And I was like, I have to listen to the next episode. I got to know what what just happened. (laughs) Where do they go from here? (laughs) And I ended up just staying up until like two o'clock in the morning, listening to the, to the next episode because I had to find out what happened. 
Yeah, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, it, it, any other game, I don't know that it, it would have worked in the same way. And, and the only reason it did work is because Jim had complete control over his character state. Um, and, and also because he, um, you know, all of all of the intensity between the character interactions up until that point. And um, and so it, when it did happen, it wasn't sort of like an out of le- it was out of left field. But when it did happen, you know, as as an audience member myself, I was saying, oh, yeah, of course, it had to happen that way. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And it, it, again, if you have not heard the Great American Witch uh, live play on Happy Jack's RPG podcast, go seek it out. I, you know, you will not regret it for sure. Um, now, thanks for that. You had mentioned uh, the happiest apocalypse on Earth, which is set in uh, P- PBTA, correct? That's right. What other projects do you have out there that we haven't really touched on? Well, there's a few. <laughs> the uh, the happiest apocalypse on Earth um, is actually going through a bit of a renovation because it's a dusty game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of, I wouldn't say it was early in PBTA, but it was sort of in the first wave of PBTA, where you know the 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 system um, had some some leg stretching to do still, and then begat things like you know Blades in the Dark, and some of all these major innovations came later. So I would like to dust it off and then re, re, republish it, not not as a new edition, but just sort of as a cleaned up one. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of going through a renovation, and as a result, it's uh, pay what you know, pay what you want right now in drive through, so you can get it for nothing if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game is about uh, essentially a, a Lovecraft theme park. <laughs> it's it, it's you know Cthulhu Disneyland, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's really all you need to know about it. <laughs> it definitely appeals to that. That sort of creepy pasta kind of aesthetic. I do have a couple of smaller games out there that were written for a couple of reasons. One of them was uh, Ten Workers United. Actually, I wrote d- during the Kickstarter labor dispute, and um, as a res- and, and it was um, is essentially Ten Candles, which you have never, if you've never played, everybody should play that game. That's, in my opinion, one of the best games ever written. Yep, one of my players has mentioned that that that's something that we need to dive into. It's a uh, it is good. Um, so I just I basically used that system uh, and inverted it. And unless you've played it, probably won't make any sense. But it's a uh, it's 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 a you know one shot sort of storytelling game about um, the conflict between workers and company. And another uh, interesting project, which is actually a novel um, that I put out in the last number of years, really designed for gamers. It, it, and I, I'm not sure of the threshold of this um, podcast, so I'm just going to summarize it as, you know, uh, gosh darn freaking dragons, but really <laughs> no, much yeah. more expletive than that. Yeah, please, please <laughs> feel free to, to say the actual name because I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, the name of the book is Goddamn Fucking Dragons, uh, a story about terrible heroes. And it's really just um, a D&D story, but how it actually plays out at the table as opposed to, you know, the high fantasy we see in fiction usually. And I'm actually working on the sequel to that, which is uh, the tomb of a bunch of bullshit, and that's that's coming soon, actually. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, those really sound to me like it's just kind of the the typical gaming group that uh, just ends up in that world. Is that right? That's exactly right. It's 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 not there's there's some meta in there, but it really is it tri- it tries to take itself seriously. But the characters are the way that we actually play them. Mm-hmm. as opposed to the way that they're supposed to be and so they really they're murder hobos they're terrible <laughs> and they're you know constantly messing up and getting each other's way and bickering and there's power plays um, and then they're also kind of in a race between the ideal 
the ideal group, you know, with the actual heroes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you end up hating them because they're, they're, they're terrible in all the good ways. <laughs> and so it's just a lot. It's a fun drop. It's really um, a lot of fun. And I am very happy with that one. And I, I plan on writing a lot more in that series because I love the character so much. That's awesome. I'm, I definitely want to try to pick that up for sure. I haven't, haven't gotten it just yet. So yeah, we still need to put out print versions, which uh, is, is on its way, but you can definitely get it on Kindle. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you have anything in the pipeline that you can talk about? Yes. Um, further to The Great American Witch, which uh, is my baby right now. I, I absolutely love that game. I'm going to be designing in that game for a while. It's built on the Great American Novel Framework, so it's familiar to that system, but it has a lot of innovations. And it, it does um, it uses the Great American Novel in a way so you could kind of create a, a World of Darkness kind of game and setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to take away some of the player power in order to you know add tension and things that Great American Novel doesn't care about. So um, that game is, is, is out and has been, it's been really well received, and I uh, plan on developing more in it. Um, the first product for which is going to be the Book of Covens, which is uh, I'm aiming for an April or May Kickstarter on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a book of scenarios uh, that will, you know, give you the setting and, and the sort of threats that you need to run your, your witch game. Um, that was the top voted one from the uh, backers who wanted something like that. So um, putting that together and that's that's really cool. And I, I plan on having a bunch of products for which. Um, I'm also more uh, sooner than that, um, kind of throwing out a game that's sort of out of the blue. <laughs> that <laughs> is uh, is Temples and Tombs. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to kickstart this actually in a couple of weeks. Um, it's all ready to go. I just need to redo the uh, layout so this digest size. So it's literally just that's all that's left to do. Um, it is uh, it is based on the system that drives Tales from the Loop, which is your your zero engine. Yeah. Um, and it is uh, an Indiana, Indiana Jones game. That's you awesome. And, and I, I love that system, by the way. Uh, I, I, too. I just recently finished uh, a Tales from the Loop campaign uh, with a in-person group here in town and love that system, love the way that, uh, that the roles are made. And, you know, it's, again, another very collaborative game. Yeah. And I did some jury rigging on it because I can't help myself, but it's generally the same system. Um, and there, there's some cool uh, little world building things. So if you know my games, you know, I like to add those kinds of things. So you can, you know, roll up your MacGuffin that your adventurers need to find. You can roll up the, uh, you know, the, the location, the exotic location that that MacGuffin is in and, you know, the threats that are after the adventurers and after the MacGuffin. And you just go sort of build out the entire Indiana Jones adventure um using these tools so it's it's a real cool and exciting product and i'm really excited about it it's a lot of fun well i know which kickstarter i'll be supporting next because that's definitely right up my alley <laughs> right now i'm looking at zine quest wondering if it's a good idea to to do it this month i wanted to do it in january but um i, I just had too many things going on so i didn't and now zine quest is clogging everybody's arteries so, um, but I, I, am, I think it, I think we're going to do it. I talked to Gallant Knight, who's publishing it. And I think we're going to do it in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah you sign me up. Awesome. Um, I have more coming too, but you know, I could I could talk all day long about my pipeline. Oh well, I'll let you if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> 
those are the those are the big ones. We should probably stop there. All right. Well, that's great. I mean, it all sounds really exciting, and I and I can't wait to see what else you bring to the table. Before we finish, uh, why don't you take a moment just to tell our listeners about how to follow you and where they can get copies of your games? I know we already mentioned Drive Through RPG, but is there a better place for you where maybe you get a little bit more kickback? Uh, yeah, well, thanks for asking that. Uh, my games are on Gallant Knights store, gallantknights.com, I think is on. Oh, man, what is the URL? Uh, but look up Gallant Knight. They're a known quantity. Um, Alan runs that. He's a great guy, and um, it'll help both of us if you buy from his store. But everything's on drive-thru, which is easier in, in your library. Online, I'm usually uh, – I'm actually best found on Facebook, I hate to admit, mm-hmm. but that's sort of where my hub end, uh, ends up. A lot of my networkers there, a lot of gamers that I interact with are there. So you can find me um, on Facebook, and it's just – uh, just look up Christopher Gray and there I have a page and a profile. And then I'm on Twitter at Gray Author. That's Gray with an E, the proper spelling. All oh, right. uh, I guess yeah. I should tell you about my website too, which oh, is yes. which is um, as Christopher.world because, you know, Christopher's run the world. We do run the world, yes. But but secretly <laughs> behind closed doors and nobody actually really, really realizes that. Right, right. We delegate authority really well. (laughs) We hide in the shadows. (laughs) All right. Well, Christopher, again, thank you so very much for taking the time out to talk with me today. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I mean, you are really the first person that I thought of to approach to do an interview like this uh, with. Uh, just because I love the game so much and, and, you know, whatever we can do on our end to try to help promote it, you know, I want to try to do that. And now that I've got Great American Witch, that is going to be something that uh, I and my group are going to explore in the future. Um, you know, we've got our Marvel game that we're running right now, and I think we're going to probably move to a Savage Worlds after that and kind of give that a spin. But uh, my expectation is that, you know, we're just going to keep kind of cycling through and trying new and different things. You know, uh, my goal for this is to really kind of give people like yourself, you know, an opportunity to kind of get their games noticed that, you know, maybe you don't see on live play podcasts all that often. That's great. That's great. And may may I challenge you to do a one shot in the Marvel universe using great American novel. You'll be surprised. Okay. It actually works really well. All right. Yeah. I'll give that a shot for sure. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you again so very much. It's really been a pleasure talking to you today. Well, thank you. This was wonderful. All right. We'll be right back.